Employees don't quit their jobs. They quit their bosses. That quote has been around for a very long time. Yet, according to a Gallup poll, 50% of employees said that they left their job to get away from their manager. (laughs) But it's not really fair to blame the managers, is it? Or is it? And that's coming up next on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that helps small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you dare to be the exception. Each week, we deliver relevant and timely content to help you develop your business so you can take your time to work on your business, not just in your business. I'm your host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hay. Welcome to Experience Leadership. As customers, we have gone into business or we have gone into businesses rather that seem like it would be a hoot to work there. You go in and the environment is so loose, so fun. It's almost like joyous. And you think, wow, this is really great. We've also been in places that sound like they should be playing the death march on the PA system. (laughs) So what is the difference? We've all heard of places that seem to be a joy to work at. And yet many, many of you listening are saying joy to work at. But that's what I want, too. (laughs) And before we get into what it takes to create the former, I'd like to know from you our question of the day. So what is your workplace culture like? Is it a place where you feel that you can be your authentic self? Or do you feel like you have to walk on eggshells everywhere you go? I'd love to hear some of your experiences. So why don't you put them down in the comment box below? Is it a great place to work at? Is there some improvement that's needed? What would make getting up every single day and saying, wow, I get to go to work today? What would it take to make that happen for you? As I mentioned, our guest today is workplace culture expert, Michael Kerr. Michael Kerr is a Canadian Hall of Fame speaker who is, during pre-pandemic times, traveled the world researching, writing, and speaking about inspiring workplace cultures. He taught, he's written about inspiring leaders and interviewed them. He's looked at businesses and how they can leverage humor to drive outrageous results in their businesses. Michael's idea on building inspiring workplaces have been featured in hundreds of publications worldwide, including Forbes, Fast Company, Business Insider. And while his Inspiring Workplaces blog is listed as one of the top 30 workplace blogs in the world, he is also the creator of a Culture Leadership Academy, one of the most comprehensive culture leadership online programs available. And we will make sure to get the link down below so you can check it out. Michael is also the author of eight books, including The Humor Advantage, (laughs) Why Some Businesses Are Laughing All the Way to the Bank. He's also the author of Hire, Inspire, and Fuel Their Fire, How to Recruit, Onboard, and Train New Employees to Live Your Culture Out Loud. And he's got another book called The Jerk-Free Workplace, How You Can Take the Lead to Create a Happier, More Inspiring Workplace. Mike, welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for being here. How are you, sir? I'm I'm doing fantastic, and I have to say I am a raving fan of you, Mark. So honored to be here, sir. <laughs> well, I am 
I'm like you. I've read your book. Um, I think it's brilliant. As a, as a person who guides and, and mentors uh, business leaders, I think this is a really important book that people need to read. People un- need to understand how the dynamics of their jobs and how the dynamics of their culture affects their employees. But before we get into any of that, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you do for clients, for your clients. Yes. Well, as you said in my introduction that you so brilliantly read, I do normally travel around the world researching, writing, and speaking about inspiring leaders, inspiring workplaces. So I work with businesses that want to create rocking great service-first, more positive, more productive, less stressful workplace cultures to drive outrageous results. So I coach leaders, I work with teams, and I speak to organizations about how to do that and and really about how to be more intentional about doing that because it starts there. And I I loved your your question of the day, Mark. It got me thinking about why I do this because, in fact, the reason – I write and speak about what I do is because I worked in one of those soul-sucking, fun-sucking workplaces that was sucking the life out of me. And I thought, I'm going to make it my mission to talk about how work is too important. Work has such a huge impact on our lives, on our families, on our physical and mental health, that we owe it to our families, to our souls, to our customers, to create a rocking great workplace where we want to show up on a Monday morning instead of feeling like we have to show up. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've had both types of jobs. And sometimes I've had one job where I've experienced both types, where something's been going on within the confines of the business, and it went from being fun to all of a sudden being absolutely a drag, really a ball and chain. And I've always questioned, why is it that it can change so suddenly? Like, what are the, what are the variables that click it into being, at one moment it was fun, and now pressure's on, and now it seems like a toil. Any idea why cultures change like that? Yeah, sometimes it certainly has to do with a change at the top. There's a change in, in leadership, and we know that can have a huge impact. I can't tell you, Mark, the number of times I've gone into companies where I've done speaking or training for Department X and then Department Y, and I'm thinking to myself, you work for the same company because it's like night and day. And of course, a huge part of that difference has to come down to the leadership. But I hear that complained a lot, Mark, where I, I, so many of my clients say, you know, we used to have a lot of fun at work. We used to have this rocking great culture, but we've kind of lost our mojo. And so I think sometimes if it's not a change in leadership, it's sometimes just people forgetting the importance, again, of being intentional about their culture, about not valuing their values and forgetting what those are. Often it's when as we're experiencing right now, when there's a period of immense change or a crisis even, and we start to take shortcuts and we we forget the importance of staying true to our values and focusing on the important stuff because it becomes even more important during times of chaos and stress and change. Mm-hmm. It's so funny that you said that because, you know, when you look at something like municipal governments where you have everything seems to be rather departmentalized, you have some departments that just are doing so well and other ones that just seem to have the burden of the world on their shoulders. And I talk about workplace culture through the confines of of putting on a show. So to that end, I'd like to discuss elements of really great culture. And we'll get to that right after this. 
Giving an important speech to a huge audience can be overwhelming. It's easy to lose your place and go way over time. Give yourself an advantage with the Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app. No more checking your watch or calling for time. The Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app keeps you on track with easy-to-see timers, even changing color for visual prompts during your speech. And you can set audio cues during practice or set it to vibrate so you don't even have to look at it. Be the pro you know you are. Download the app at speakerpresentationtimer.com. Welcome back to Experience Leadership. I'm your host, Mark Hain, and today we are here with our special guest, workplace culture specialist, Michael Kerr. What are some of the elements do you think that drive cultures to success? Like, what, what are some of the elements of culture do you think contribute to the overall success of a business? Yeah, um, thanks, Mark. I think, again, I'm going to circle back to the importance of just being intentional. You know, mm. every single leader on the planet talks a good game when they talk about culture, right? Every leader gets up. I mean, I mean, what leader is going to get up in front of their people and say, yeah, culture, yeah, not so important. Our people, yeah, yeah, they're about number nine on the priority list. Nobody's going to say that, right? I think there's a huge disconnect. There's that that knowing doing gap. Everyone knows, I think, that culture is important, but are they really backing that up through their actions? So again, it's about being intentional, recognizing you can't go down to Costco and buy your culture. You can't go to Ikea and buy your culture. You'll have parts left over that even your IT guys won't know what to do with. So you've got to be intentional day in and day out, which means you've got to hire relentlessly with your culture in mind. You've got to hire first and foremost for attitude, for emotional intelligence, for that culture, not just culture fit, but culture growth. People that are going to grow and expand your culture in the way you want to move your culture. It's about being intentional about your values. So not paying lip service to your values, making sure they aren't just cheesy slogans, but they are lines in the sand where you're holding people accountable to live those values out loud and you're celebrating your employees for living up to those values. It's about being relentlessly focused on communication because communication is everything and everything is communication. It's about making sure whenever you make a decision, in your organization that you filter that decision through your culture. So every single decision, you make it a habit to say, how does this both impact the culture that we want and how does it reflect our desired culture? Because there's a chicken and egg relationship with every decision we make. And it's about, and I know you know this, Mark, it's about having a service first mindset within our culture. It's about remembering that some of our most important uh, customers, sorry, are our fellow employees, our teammates. They're sitting right there. That's some of your most important customers. So when everybody embraces this idea that the rest of my teammates are actually my customers and I need to provide good customer service to my teammates, I think you can't help but grow a pretty rocking workplace culture. Right. You know, it's funny because I did one one episode after the George Floyd incident with uh, Tina Verges, who talked about unconscious bias. And she talked specifically about, or we got round to talking about um, the fact that when we hire, a lot of times we hire based on who we are, not necessarily what we need for the culture. Is there anything that in your mind, so when you talk about this idea of being intentional, is there a tool or is there anything, any kinds of questions that leaders need to be asking themselves when they're going out and scoping new additions to their teams? 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I talk about that extensively in my book, Hire, Inspire, and Fuel Their Fire, because that's such an important part of culture. That's why I wrote that book. Uh, and I think organizations that really nail it, they, they do a couple things right. And one of the things they do is they spend as much time talking about their culture as they do interviewing their candidates. So they recognize it's a two-way conversation, that it has to be a love connection on both sides. So they champion their culture on their website. They make it clear, hey, here's what we are all about. And they also screen for who they don't want. And I think we sometimes forget to do that and just say blatantly, hey, our workplace isn't for everyone. If you don't like you know, working in this kind of environment, it's not for you. And then making sure you do relentlessly, relentlessly focus on questions that get to that person's underlying character, their personality, mm. their, their attitude. Do they have a sense of humor? I mean, I love some of the examples I have in my book. Clark Construction, for example, they've been known in job interviews to suddenly ask this question. So a penguin walks into the room right now and the penguin's wearing a sombrero. What does the penguin say and why is he here? <laughs> And they ask that question, you know, recognizing we're not hiring stand-up comedians, right? They, they're not hiring the person who's going to be the next Jerry Seinfeld, but they want to see how the person reacts. Can they think on their feet? Can they laugh a little bit? Do they have a sense of humor? Can they not take themselves too seriously? Yeah, yeah. And but, I know, know so, so many great organizations that I interviewed in, in Europe, across the States, across Canada, when it comes to their hiring, some of them do as many as eight or nine or ten touch points before they select a candidate. And they always, always do a separate culture screening. Another example that I love that kind of gets to the heart of this is Barrel Health Call Centers, where they're, when they're hiring a supervisory position, they will always take that person out to lunch because they have this great theory that how a person treats waitstaff, dogs, and kids is a really good indicator as to their character and somebody we want to hang around with you know, day in and day out. Yeah, it's so funny. It's such a it's such a vastly different philosophy than when I first started working back in the early 80s. Like in 1979, 1980, I started my my first full-time job and it was, you know, Mark, if I want your opinion, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it and it's different now. And you know what what I love about your examples and you know, my background being hospitality, I mean, I've consulted with a lot of restaurants and a lot of hotels where it's like, God, if we could only get a body in, that would be great. Yeah. And and a one pulse, thing right, hiring somebody with a pulse, and that's so dangerous. exactly. Hiring somebody with a pulse. And so that that becomes their solution. And it's like, you know what? If you do this, I promise you, you will regret it. Because at some point, six, eight months down the line, you go, gosh, you know, if I could just lose this person, life would be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so taking the time and the attention to actually go through that screening process, like you said, and go through this multiple phases. But part of the challenge is that I don't think a lot of leaders have training on how to hire appropriately. What what kind of tools do you think that they need to do? I mean, obviously, one of them is, well, hire Michael Kerr. He can help you. <laughs> That's a else? really good one, Mark. I'm glad, I, I, I'm glad you put that at the top of the list. <laughs> it's my number one. Things. It's my number one go-to. <laughs> so what, well, what else can they do to uh, pick up that capacity to be able to understand it? I talked to one entrepreneur. 
a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying that she, you know, she downloaded a list of questions from the internet, and she knows she has to ask questions, but she doesn't even know why she needs to answer them. And and wow. she has a challenge with retention, and she has a ta- challenge with teams working properly together. So what, what are some of the tools, what are some of the questions they should be asking themselves in order to hire more effectively? Well, again, it goes back to, and and you said it, Mark, investing in it, right? That's the number one mistake I see, especially, I think, with small businesses who often have high levels of turnover. So they do get into that rat race of just give me a warm body because we need somebody. And it is so costly and so stressful to get the wrong person. Back to barrel call centers. They have this wonderful sort of mantra. I was talking to the HR director there who has the alternative job title, the Queen of Fun and Laughter, by the way. Queen of and Fun and Laughter. Me, There's yeah, a job She was title. telling me it's like Fort Knox to get a job with them. They have an incredibly positive family-oriented culture, but it is like Fort Knox to get a job with us. She said, frankly, it's a pain in the ass to get a job with us because it's an even bigger pain in the ass to get rid of somebody who's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So making sure you invest the time. One thing I advise uh, leaders to do, too, is to not look at this as a solo sport. Involve your team. Involve the people that are going to be working with this person. Very often, they're the people that have to live with the, the, the decision, right? So get them involved. If you can do a team interview, if you can do a multi-step approach where they ask some questions as well, they will have more ownership in the decision, making sure everyone understands what it is you're looking for. So you, net, you need to get clarity around that, right? right? What are your values that are important to you? What attributes do you want to hire for again and i'm sure you you talk about this mark it's an old cliche we 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 need to hire for that attitude and personality because you can train for so much of the rest it's really hard to transplant somebody's attitude when you hire somebody with a poor attitude and again it's it's that mindset stuff and you you talked about it at the beginning where it's really easy to default to that notion that uh, and i talk about this in the book how we all want to of course hire somebody who's just like us because we're fabulous why wouldn't we want more of this right <laughs> but that's a that's huge true. mistake you, you end up hiring a bunch of clones to yourself and if you want to be more innovative and expand your culture and expand your business. That's really, really dangerous. So you have to watch that you aren't biased towards hiring people that feel comfortable to you, that are that are a comfortable fit because they seem exactly like you. Well, and I think it goes back to what you said about this idea of being intentional. Some people might not understand what that means when it comes down to hiring. But at the end of the day, we're looking for, you know, what is the personality you're looking for? What is the job that they're going to be doing? You know, one of the things I learned in hotels is if somebody's a housekeeper, they're not going to want to get into food service because they tend to be more on the introverted scale. If you're in food service, you don't want to do housekeeping because you seem to be more outgoing. You're good with the randomness of a day, whereas a housekeeper has very specific things that they need to accomplish and they're very detailed focused. Being able to understand the personality you're hiring, hiring for, but then also understanding what, what are you hiring for that's going to make up for what you're lacking in your team. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. And that intention is really the the one that you have to sit down and really kind of wangle off. Because when people are hiring the the people with the pulse, 
it's, yeah. it's a challenge. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, and I want to remind yeah. folks, too, just before we leave this topic, that this goes back to one of the really critical reasons why your culture is important, but why you also need to promote your culture to the world. You need to celebrate if you've got a rocking great culture. You don't want to be kept the world's best secret, because if you create a culture that is known as a fun, positive, service-first place to work, as a great place to be an employee, then guess what? You don't have to go hunting for employees. You become the hunted. You look at organizations that are known, that have that, that brand reputation for being a great place to work, like a Southwest Airlines or Zappos. They don't have to worry about finding employees in tight labor markets because people go to them in droves. You know, there's a few job openings and they get swamped with applications. So build that great culture to attract more employees, but also to attract better quality employees. But don't keep it the world's best secret. Sing it on your website. Promote it. Talk about it. The top 10 reasons why you rock as a workplace. Create some fun videos. Make it come to life. Make it conversational. Add humor into it to stand out from the herd, to be heard. Yeah, there's a whole different thing from herd mentality there. (laughs) To be heard. You have to be heard. And, exactly. and, you know, it's interesting that you say that because that's something that, you know, I've worked in small markets. And so, you know, Alberta is brought with all these different small markets that suffer and really struggle to get some talented people in their doors. But you're absolutely right. The minute that you people understand that you are the place that people want to work at, the list is long. You have you are able to to really pick the cream of the crop. Because people oh, absolutely. And, and yeah, one of, my, one of the lines I, I remind people to do all the time, too, is hire with humor and for humor. So you want to hire people who have a good sense of humor, but also remember to use humor to stand out from the herd. I have all sorts of examples of small businesses that added a whack of funny, crazy, outrageous humor to their help wanted ads. And whenever they did that, they got a way, way higher response. I remember um, the the former manager of Barney's Motel in Brandon, Manitoba. He used to have hilarious help wanted ads. And he said when he started doing these ads, you know, like hiring a a cleaning person for his motel, he would have ads that would say things like, hey, do you want to travel the world? Meet interesting people, see new things? Okay, well, how about if you clean the rooms of people who have (laughs) traveled the world and seen interesting things, right? So they were kind of cheeky a little bit, uh, but he said he got a way better response rate. And some of the ads, they're brutally honest. I have seen ads that talk about how, you know, this job is boring. It's uh, repetitive. but, But it's done in such a hilarious way. And it sends the message, hey, we're not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. We're being upfront with you about what you're stepping into in this job. We're going to be totally honest with you. But in a funny way, they always get a better response rate with those kind of ads. Yeah. And it resonates with the people they're trying to attract, right? Yeah. And who wouldn't want to work for somebody, for an organization that uses that level of sense of humor and something as simple as a job ad or a job posting? Exactly. It sends a powerful message. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've, I've recognized in, in uh, workplaces is this idea of trust in the workplace. And before the pandemic, you know, we were, I, I mean, Zoom has been around now for a few years and, and we've been, I've been doing Zoom for, for ages. But when it came down to working, let's say at a municipality, I was working for a municipality and, and they would look at the watch. If you walked in and they go, oh, you're only getting at your desk, it's 10 o'clock. 
And it's like, well, actually, I've been working since eight because I went out and met some clients. (laughs) But this idea of if you're not sitting at your desk, you're not working. And now the pandemic has changed all that where somebody a year ago, this time last year, would say, oh, I would never let my staff work from home because I don't know if I could trust it. Now they have no choice. So how now, brown cow, can leaders bridge the communication gap that occurs now that people aren't necessarily working in their office? How do they bridge the communication to make sure that the people that are working remotely know that they are trusted? Yeah, and it is such a huge issue, Mark, right? And I've heard it from CEOs, from presidents talking to them directly. And they said, well, I don't know what my employees are up to. And my simple response to them is always, well, did you before <laughs> know what they were up to every minute? I'm sure you didn't, right? We, we have to ask ourselves as leaders, especially right now, what words and actions might be eroding trust? What words and actions are going to help us maintain trust in the workplace? So we don't want to abandon our employees and just leave them totally to their own devices, right? We have to find that balance, but we have to make sure we are demonstrating our trust employees by giving them trust. And it's a it's a huge mindset, right? Because we have to shift away. And some companies were doing this anyways, even before the, the virtual hybrid workplace, where they were shifting away from a per hour mindset where we pay our employees per hour, like their drones versus production, paying for production, paying for output. And that's one of the mindset leaders have to adopt. And then in terms of bridging the communication gap, I think it starts with just being way more intentional about making sure you are checking in with employees on a regular basis so they don't feel abandoned versus though, and if you have teenagers at home, you know there's a difference, checking up on employees. So checking in, but not checking up. Scheduling regular social coffee chats even, just with a a social element to it. One of the things I'm a huge fan of to bridge the gap between the the officers working in the office now and the, the, the homers working at home is to set up random coffee dates with people between the two sections, right? Where everybody's name goes into a random name generator and you spit them out and you connect with somebody who's on the other side of that home office divide. But as a leader, it's it's really making sure you are intentional. I just read a story about a week or two ago of a CEO who once a week, he puts together a short little video to update all the home-based employees about what's gone on in the office, including some of just the social announcements, right? Like Mary just got engaged and, you know, uh, Bob's having a, a, a lobotomy. Okay, maybe that's not a good example, but you know what I mean. And just keeping them up to date on a weekly basis. So so simple thing, things like that can be so, so important. Yeah. I love I love that you called people who work. You have officers and you have homers. So now what popped into my brain is people working from home. Are they Homer Homer sapiens? Homer. (laughs) And now we're getting into the grown territory. Now now we're getting I need to be punished. Um, I want to get into some to I want to take a deeper dive, I think, into the importance of humor in the workplace. But before we do, I just want to do a quick little check in. Maybe you could let everybody know how they can get in touch with you if this is resonating with them and they think that they need to connect with you. Yeah, thanks for that, Mark. My website is, the Mothership website is www.mikekerr.com. And my email address is mike at mikekerr.com. Nice and simple. And I would love to hear from you. If you've got questions, if you have ideas you want to share, please reach out. 
Thank you so much, Mike. I hope this is making sense and is of value to you. You know, please feel free to, again, give this a thumbs up, put comments in the comment box. That's one way that we know that this is resonating with you. You could say something like, oh my goodness, this made so much sense. Or even you can argue the point. You could turn around and say, this was a bunch of BS. And here's why I think that. Because contrary what, points uh, of view, what? I know people, there are people with contrary views, Mike. What do you want to do? I know. Right? No, but I we got to support them and we got to understand. What the heck is from? Mike talking about? He's crazy. <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> um, and so if you know somebody who would benefit from this information, we all know in our work lives, we look at some content, we go, oh my goodness, Steve needs to hear this. And you can go ahead and you can go ahead and share it with them. With my permission, you could share it with them. <laughs> so... In past episodes, um, I had a business strategist, Feng Shua, who uh, talked about getting noticed in a competitive market. Uh, Michael, when you think about the use of humor, how can businesses use humor to stand out in their marketplace? You mentioned a couple with one ads, but is there something more concrete as far as how do they appeal to customers? Oh, Mark, yes, some. we need another three hours to get into that topic, young man. Holy smoke. I mean, where to begin? Yes, there's there's all sorts of ways. It's, and it comes down partly to branding, right? So branding yourself in a safe way with humor. And there's everything. And it's almost like going through a, a branding touch point to see, are, are there places here where we could stand out from the herd with a little bit of humor? Everything from, now, many, many businesses, the, the ship may have already sailed on this, but funny names for your business, right? I mean, I have a whole list in my book, The Humor Advantage of funny business names like, like Frying Nemo, Fish and Chips Shop, or uh, Tree Wiseman Landscapers, <laughs> Indiana Bones, Temple of Groom Doggy Daycare. Just so corny, but yeah, or, or funny name, funny slogans, right? Funny slogans. And again, I've got hundreds of these examples in my files like a taxidermist office we really know our stuff on a plumbing truck we repair what your husband fixed <laughs> hundreds of these but but again standing out in substantial ways and we know that this can make a huge difference there's a uh, donut shop in in phillipsburg pennsylvania that is known to be the largest home of the largest chocolate donut in the united states now, this is the U.S. we're talking about, Mark. So we can only imagine how big this chocolate donut must be. So when you go in to order what the employees have affectionately called the big chocolate honker, they've created this ritual where they honk <laughs> an old-fashioned bike horn, which sends, and this is the goofy part, I love this, it sends a signal out to all the seniors who hang out in the donut shop who have been trained so that when they hear the horn, all the seniors in unison go, honk, 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 honk and they throw their hands up over the air, and it's crazy. Now you might think, that's just a goofy, crazy, silly example, but here's the deal. That little ritual saved this mom and pop business. It got them free publicity from all the surrounding states with news crews coming in, and it had an impact on their culture, I think, and how they embraced new ideas and how they just delivered their service, but it helped them stand out from the herd to be heard. And I have examples, thousands of examples of, of like that, of simple little things. Shutterfly, I phoned up Shutterfly, the online photo web sharing site. And again, here's a simple opportunity. You've got that boring voicemail menu option, you know, blah, 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 that puts everyone to sleep. Well, why not make it a little interesting? So at the end of Shutterfly's many options, they gave me this rather option, or this rather delightful option. If you wanna hear all these options again, but in pirate, 
press nine. I thought, of course I want to hear it in pirate. Who would not choose the pirate option? So I pressed nine. There was a pirate. Ah, matey, if you think your package has been lost in high seas, press number seven. I mean, how crazy is that? Right now, you don't have to go that outrageous. There's a software company in New York where when you phone into their menu options, it's got this very upbeat conversational woman, so it doesn't sound like a drone or an automated voice, saying things like, hey, if you want to talk to the most rocking sales team in the land, press number three. And why wouldn't we say that? Instead of for sales, press number right? The most rocking sales team in the land, press number three. If you want to hear, and this is exactly how they phrase it, if you want to hear a pretty good joke, press number four. If you want to hear an, an excerpt from our in-house rock band, The Dinosaurs, press number five, right? So they just added a little bit of life to it. And of course, these days, you have to do that on your website. Your website is your, your marketing page out there. So make sure your website is fun, engaging. Again, you know, fun top 10 lists. Have a humor section in your website where you collect stuff relevant. That's the key, relevant to your business or your industry. Funny questions maybe your customers have asked. Funny stories. Bring your employees to life on your website. Oh, those boring headshots with everybody looking so serious and self-important. Make it fun. Make it personal. Introduce us to the team. Bring some humanity to it. Make sure you are communicating in a way that's conversational, that connects with people. Can I share a great example, Mark? Please. I, I, lo I love these examples. We have to remember, communicating with a little humor helps us stand out in a big, big way. I forget who said the quote, but somebody once said, advertising is the, is the price we pay for being boring. So let's not be boring. I ordered a bar of deodorant from a company called Native Deodorant. And I actually ordered this after doing one of my keynotes and I, uh, somebody in the audience came up and said, okay, Mike, if you want some good humor from a company, just order a bar of deodorant. I, I tried not to take it personally. So I ordered this bar of deodorant and here's the email response I got back right away for my $9 order. In all caps letters in the subject line, Michael, you rock. It was just another mundane day at our office when suddenly Jackie took a look at the computer and her eyes widened. We did it, she exclaimed. We got an order from Michael Kerr. Laura jumped out of her chair and ran to Jackie's desk. She didn't even read the entire email. She just saw Michael and started screaming in delight. Oh my God, oh my God, Laura shouted. This is real, this is real. We have an order from Michael. The entire office erupted in applause. Party in the USA blurred from the speakers as confetti rained down from the ceiling and champagne bottles were popped brilliant, right? Yeah. So why wouldn't, now maybe because it doesn't fit your brand, maybe you don't feel you can go that outrageous, but can you do something? Can you do something at least that's a little more conversational, just a little more casual, a little bit of humor injected to make that connection. And then of course, let's remember in all our interactions, humor is a great way to stand out from the herd. So it goes down to the attitude of that person interacting with your customers. Are they anticipating your customers' needs in a fun way? Are they doing something to just go the extra inch in a simple little way with a little bit of humor? Are you following up with a little bit of humor? And again, I've got lots of examples we could get into, Mark. So one of the challenges though we have at businesses is uh first of all businesses some businesses are are quite you know we're business people we're stodgy we're you know in this box but further than that is the frontline staff 
Um, how do organizations start setting that as an example so that they can give permission to their staff to lighten up? Well, and I, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. It starts by giving them permission to lighten <laughs> up. We want to make sure, again, we're hiring people who get the importance of customer service, who actually, here's a thought, Mark. Here's a crazy thought, Mark. Let's hire people who actually like human beings, <laughs> who, who like other people. That's a really good starting point in my check. book. And, yeah, check. Do you like people? Yeah. Are you okay with the, the human race? Because that's kind of important in our, our business here. And then making sure as a leader, boy, you've got to be modeling this stuff, right? And they need to see you. When I talk about leaders living their values out loud, one of the things I, I encourage them to do, and one of the things that so many great leaders do, is they are intentional about being visible, living their values out loud. So they purposely walk the store floor. They purposely are seen interacting with customers or going into the manufacturing plant and rolling up their sleeves or picking up garbage in the parking lot to send a message about what's important and what their values are. And so you need to model the way in your interactions with your customers, right? And you need to give them permission and talk about it. Talk about, you don't want to, I, 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 dread the notion of creating policy around humor because that kind of sucks the fun out of the joint, but have a conversation around what's appropriate, what's safe humor, what's positive humor and why it matters and use examples. I know the, the company Groupon, they actually in their, in their onboarding process, they actually have multiple choice questions for their copywriters to help train them on the appropriate level of humor. And it, it's fascinating, the questions, because they have different examples and, and it helps to show where sort of that, that, that uh, sweet spot is, right? So yeah, no, not that one, because that might offend all the mother-in-laws in our audience. So maybe not that joke, but this style of humor is perfect, right? So have a conversation around what works, what's appropriate. And more than anything, it's just about giving permission to our employees to be themselves, to be their authentic selves, right? That's why so many of the great call center companies out there, they don't work from a script. They train their employees relentlessly to make sure they're professional, to make sure they're achieving their goal. But then they give them the freedom to answer the way they want to answer the phone, the freedom to respond to things the way a normal human being would respond. So they're not always just reading from a rote script. And again, it comes back to what you said earlier about this idea of being intentional and communication. You know, I'm looking at what the capacity you bring, and I can't help but wonder to some businesses, they might need outside help. They, they might not be they've been in, a, in a box for so long. They might need outside help. And, and to me, it seems a perfect mix that you would be the kind of person that they would call if they needed to shake up their culture. People will hear this. And people go, yeah, it's fine for all the other businesses, but it's not fine for us. What are the blocks that you've noticed in some organizations when it comes to trying to lighten up or trying to do something that makes the place more fun to be in? Yeah, and and you hit it in one, one, one of your comments there, Mark, already, is that some people will say, well, that's fine in that kind of business. And I always stress that when I'm talking to people, right? I, I, I will say... I get that you guys aren't running an amusement park. You're not running an airline or a hotel. You're in a different kind of business. Maybe you're in a really serious business or a conservative business. It doesn't mean there aren't opportunities to create 
a more positive, humane, people-focused business. It's not about being somber. It's about taking ourselves lightly in order to take our customers' needs seriously and our work seriously. And there's a world of difference between those two things. So some of it is that mindset that, well, no, we're in this business. We're in a very serious business. But boy, I tell you, I have examples from law firms. I have examples from the U.S. Navy, from from uh, doctor's offices, from funeral homes, where they've used humor in strategic ways. So if those organizations can do it, there's no excuse for any of us not to. The other big roadblock I think I get, Mark, and again, I always stress this, right? We're not talking about being the office clown or telling jokes. It's not about being a stand-up comedian. It's about just having a sense of perspective and balance. It's about being more human, more real, laughing at ourselves. Is it not a truism after all, Mark, that the more seriously a person takes themselves, the less seriously everyone tends to take that person? Ask any CFO. I mean, I mean... I, I I have worked with some hilarious people who don't take themselves too seriously, but yeah. And one of the roadblocks to getting back to your question is people worry all the time, over worry that you know the the PC police are going to come out. That if they use humor, if they they put out the humor welcome mat, they're going to be offending people left, right, and center. And it's probably the number one question I get. And here's the deal. When I've gone into companies all over the world and interviewed some of some of those organizations that are most known for their fun, for their humor, it's one of their core values. They embrace it on a daily basis. I ask them that very question. And you know what they always say to me? They always look at me like I have three heads and they just go, it's, it's not a problem. It's not an issue because you get the kind of humor that you create in your culture. And again, this goes back to the chicken and egg relationship between humor and culture. Humor helps us drive a better culture, but it also reflects a positive culture. If you first and foremost build that positive, respectful culture full of trust and open and honest communication, then guess what? Your humor is going to be respectful and positive for the most part. And so time and time again, they say, you know what? It's just, it's never an issue. There's a study in, I I belong to the International Group of Humor Studies, and there was a study in one of the journals there about the role of the proverbial office joker. And what the study found was that proverbial office joker person played an incredibly invaluable role in workplace cultures in terms of improving morale, improving communication, retelling stories that uh, kept their culture alive because the office joker tends to tell and retell old stories from the company. They speak truth to power. So they ask very provocative questions, which we want in a healthy workplace. And here's what, and, and this is what I think we have to take to heart. Here's what so many CEOs said in that study is, you know what? Yeah, there are the occasional times when that office joker steps over that proverbial humor line the occasional time. And when that happens, we just sit down and have a conversation with them and say, look, Bob, I think you probably know that was a little too far. We love your humor. We don't want to squash your humor here, but just, just be careful, right? And every CEO in that study said the benefit of the office joker outweighs that occasional misstep. So don't let a fear, an unnatural fear, of humor prevent you from creating this rocking kind of workplace that so many people are starved for. Yeah. 
I did a lot of work in casinos. And one of the things that I used to tell the servers when they used to come in, the very first question I'd say was, what section are you playing in? And when I first asked the question, they went, what? I said, well, when you go out there, don't you play with your customers? Aren't you out there playing and just having a good time with your customers? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So from that point on, the sections then became the sections that we play in. And it was, and again, like you said, I, it's not about being the joker, but it's about what does it take to have a good time at work? Yeah. How do we make that happen? Right. And, yeah. and it's been, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's eye opening when I see these stories, because a lot of times I will get contracted and probably you, you go into where there's a problem. Somebody says, I, I just don't know what the problem is. Our turnover is 70%. We can't keep people. Nobody seems to be happy at work. We've offered more money, but it doesn't seem to work. What can I do? And, and then we see that it, at the end of the day, it starts at the top. And so the, the big question then becomes for somebody who is in their box, um, how can they shake that? How can they shake this thing that I'm at work, I'm the boss, people have to respect me, so I have to be very much here. Yeah. Oh, you're asking me. <laughs> sure, why not? I know I ramble on quite a bit, but yeah. But is there anything? No, is there no. anything that people need to do to check themselves? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think I think a huge key component of leadership is is self awareness, right? Being self aware. Uh, there's something called CEO disease, in fact, which is this phenomenon of just not being aware of how your words, your actions are maybe impacting the people around you. So being self-aware, being open to feedback is the first step, right? You, you can't fix a problem you don't know you have. So you've got to, you, you've got to be really honest with yourself. And, and, and then one of the things I, I say to my clients all the time, especially in senior leadership positions, especially the higher up you go, is I challenge them to remember that it it's, feels like it's a solo sport, very often, I think, you know, we, we talk about that old cliche that, that it's lonely at the top. Well, it shouldn't be lonely at the top. And I think what effective leaders need to do is to reach out, reach out to other colleagues at their level for support, reach out to get some professional coaching to help them see things in a different way and maybe learn some new skills that they do need to learn. Reach out to your employees and ask them for input, for feedback and for advice and get their help. The more you ask your employees for input, for their ideas, the more you send that message that you value them. Yeah. It's one of the most powerful things you can do to recognize your employees. It's one of the simplest things you could do to recognize your employees is to just say, hey, what do you think? How am I doing? What, what could I be doing differently? Is there anything I should start doing, especially right now? Let's bring it back to this crazy situation we find ourselves in right now. Is there anything I sh could start doing right now that would make this whole situation easier for you? And is there anything I should stop doing that could help make this whole situation easier for you? So I'm not sure if that exactly gets to the heart of your question, but, it but does I think absolutely. a lot of it does just get back to self-awareness. It bring, brings back this, this whole idea as leaders that we have to have the humility to know that we don't have all the answers. And the more that we reach yeah. out, actually, the, I mean, there's studies all over the place about how much the, if the team gets involved, they're able to do magical things. In fact, even during the pandemic, there's lists and lists of small businesses. They had a small team where they opened up the conversations and because of it, their servers became 
drivers to do delivery service because they couldn't afford to keep doing Uber Eats and and all the delivery services. And so they had five servers who all be all of a sudden became delivery drivers and it kept them employed. It kept them engaged in the business. And they were there to make sure that the operation was a success. The examples are out there. And for anybody who says, oh, well, that's them. It can't be me. Like Michael said, it's time to get some help and call in a professional to help you build capacity in that re- in that realm. Michael, this has been really, really great. We've talked a lot about st- all sorts of stuff. Do you have any last words or a point or two that you think the audience should know? Yeah, I just, I, again, I always circle back to the notion that the, the reason I do this is work has a huge impact on our lives. As I, I started at the beginning of this, work affects our, our marriages, our family life. It affects our mental and physical health. It affects where, very often where you live, right? I mean, how else can you explain North Dakota? Okay, I'm kidding. I, I loved, I'm kidding. Uh, it, 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 it's just a wee bit of a time sucker, you may have realized, going into work every day. It affects our personal growth as human beings, who we socialize with. It has an enormous impact on our lives. So again, I want to remind you, I think we owe it. We all owe it to our colleagues, to our bosses, to our employees, to our customers, to our families, to our souls, to create as rocking, as positive, as as inspiring a workplace as possible because this thing matters. And you cannot create a rocking, great, fun workplace culture through a one or two or 20 times even year event. It's not always about things you can check off on a to-do list. It's about being intentional about doing those simple things day in and day out and having that mindset and recognizing everything you do either contributes to a positive culture or detracts from it in some way. And if you want some a, a weekly reminder, I would invite people to go to my website, www.mikekerr.com. Again, if you sign up for my weekly e-zine inspiring workplaces where I talk about all this good stuff, you will get a free ebook called 340 Ways to Put Humor to Work to help give you a little bit of inspiration and some ideas to help you up the fun factor in your workplace. That's awesome. Michael, thank you so much. I am so grateful that you could be here today to share your knowledge and your expertise. I think that you've given business owners a lot to think about. And I think it's just so important. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Mark. You're awesome. It's been an honor. And I love to giggle with you. It's it's fun to giggle with you. you (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure to visit my website at markkane.com where you can subscribe to iTunes or by RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, I'd really appreciate a rating on iTunes or you can share it and tell your friends about the show. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern time for our newest episode. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.